In the next episode of Fathers Who Bother, we speak with Detroit MC Royster59 about raising his five kids, one, two, three, four, five, being a girl dad, the unique challenges of raising his autistic son, and why he'd keep having more kids if his wife let him. Check it out. What's up, everybody? This is Jerry Barrow. Welcome to another episode of the Fathers Who Bother podcast. My next guest is an esteemed king of the Detroit rap scene. He has been rocking mics for what's going on 20 years now. And he, as good as he is at being an MC, he's even better at something else. And that's being a father. We're going to talk to him today about his journey and what what it means to be a girl dad for real for real and all that good stuff welcome to the podcast royce the five nine hey 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 thank you for having me brother can you hear me good you can hear me yeah you actually sound great sound great um so this has been a crazy ass year so far Mm -hmm. how have you been managing with your kids during all of this shelter in place man um you know it's just to me, life is just about finding the finding all the sweet spots, finding the sweet spots and finding that balance and just finding finding out a way to build the ecosystem around you that works for everybody around you. You know what I mean? So with me, I found with my kids that like FaceTime works way better for me than it does going back and forth to the house in the studio every single day. Mm. So what I do is I come here to the studio and I work kind of like a, a doctor would in a, res- a residency. You know, like I go, I come here and I stay here for weeks at a time. And since the pandemic, I've been staying here even longer. I actually was quarantining here most of the time. And um, I'm on FaceTime with the babies every day. And then I'm, 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 I'm home, you know, every now and then I just get to, you know, I just be like, yo, I'm going to the crib. I go and I just unplug from the studio for a couple of days and just chill at the crib. And then I just come back and um, that's worked better for me. How many how many kids are in the in the Ryan Montgomery clan? Well, it's five. It's five, but one of one of them is an adult now. But so okay. it's four. So it's four technically. Oh wow, wow! You got a basketball team right there. Kind of, kind of, sorta, kind of, sorta. Yeah, almost. Um, so let's talk about that eldest first. So when did you first find out that you were going to be a dad? What do you remember about that moment? Um. I don't remember that much about it. I remember being 19 and um, I remember, I don't remember my girl telling me, but I remember just telling her, all right, cool. All right. Don't worry about it. It'd be all right. And she was just, she, she was devastated. You know what I'm saying? She mm. was devastated. Cause she, you know, she didn't want to, she was going to have to tell her mom, mm. you know what I mean? So it was just like, she was devastated about that. I remember that. And I remember, kind of thinking to myself like damn okay so this kid is gonna get here he's gonna be like a whole person so i should <laughs> i should probably fucking do something with my life you know what i mean like <laughs> you know i started just like thinking thinking you know thinking of a thinking of a master plan you know what i mean so um rap rap is what i came up with you know and it was uh it was I think I think it was that moment or it was some moments around that where it became all or nothing. You know, it became all or nothing with uh with pursuing music. Right. And you really did an amazing job of chronicling the day he was born on Tabernacle from from Layers. 
which is still one of my favorite Royce to five nine songs probably ever. Thank you, man. Um, talk talk to me. I, I remember Kino sending me the track, and I had to pull over hmm. after listening to it because I I literally got chills. I was like, "What what's going on here? What is he really talking about?" And then that being a real story felt like I was like, "Is this a movie? Is it? This is." No, this is his life. This isn't something he made up. Like, oh my God. My mama said, the baby here yet? I said, maybe. She said, maybe, baby, go see. I walk away feeling like a good father the same time as a terrible son. Get to my girl, she five centimeters dilated, so I waited. Um, take me back to that day, you know. Um, obviously without regurgitating the song, what what stands out in your mind about that moment? When he when he was going to the hospital, when he was born. You know what I always think about. It's crazy. Is that I always think about whenever I think about that day. I, the first memory that hits me is is um getting back to the hospital after I did the show, mm-hmm. and and them they were wheeling him by me fast as hell in the incubator. Like there's your son. Here's your son. There's your son. Goodbye. <laughs> taking him in here. You know what I mean? It was like we're taking him in here. They were taking him in taking him in the other room to do something to him. I don't know, mm. but um. I just remember just getting a glimpse of him. You know what I'm saying? And it was just like, damn, that was my fucking baby that just that just floated by there. Right. You know what I'm right. saying? He just looked like a little white dot. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it was just like it was just like quick, right. quick, quick, like really quick. And it was just like um they took him they took him in the other room. I can't remember exactly what they were doing. Um, but he was only in there for a second and then they um they brought him back and they gave him to my to my girl. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm sitting there looking at him, you know, but I haven't held him yet, you know, but she, of course, she got to get him first because he just came out of the inside of her, you know what I'm saying? So she got to hold him first and I'm just sitting there looking at him, looking at how small he is, wondering how the hell he came out so light. You know, this is the type of shit you think about when you're 19. I'm sitting here going down the family tree in my mind and like, how the fuck, he, how the fuck did he become so light? I'm thinking about my big brother, my big brother. It's really, you know, just unproductive shit. You know what I'm saying? And uh, um, then I held him. And then when I held him, I got emotional. You know what I mean? Like just holding him, looking him in the face for the first time. Yeah, he didn't necessarily look like me because I don't think the babies when they're first born do that. I hate when people say that. <laughs> oh my God, he looks just like you. No, he doesn't. <laughs> he looks just like the same baby that all the other babies look like when they first come out. You know what I mean? They look like the baby. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then they kind of like morph into you know whatever they're gonna be. But um, it's a fun process to watch, man. It's fun. It was fun just watching him grow all the way to now. You know, he comes in. Sometimes he comes in and uses the B room. Mm-hmm. He comes in, you know, his voice is deep. His voice is deep. Hey, what's up, man? <laughs> hey. How you feel? You all right? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's, it's interesting to watch, man. Because I remember he was a little kid, a little bitty kid, just having meltdowns, you know, having meltdowns in school. I like, used to have to go up to the school and assure him that he's not going to kill everyone in, in the classroom because he's just having a meltdown and you just got to bear with him. You couldn't tell Roycey that he you're not his friend no more. Mm. If you, if you, if you, when kids told him I'm not your friend, oh, that's all they needed Oof. to say. It was on. That's heartbreaking. And when I tell you it was on, it's on. You're not my friend. He just fucking go ballistic, right? 
Uh, yeah, so it was. It's it's a whole the whole process is an interesting process to watch, man. And then like just dealing with each one of them in different parts of my life, different times of my life. Mm. And um, obviously, my girls, my girls all came in a row last. Um, you know, design, designs, architected by God. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, could it couldn't have went smooth no other way. So the rest, all you know the other mean? four girls, all four girls. But well, yeah, but yep, yep. I got three. Well, I got three girls. Okay, three I got girls. three girls. I got one. I got three girls. Um, and then two boys. Okay. That's a nice mix. That's a nice mix. I remember meeting one of the girls when he came by. I think I was at Watch Loud. He had one in the mm-hmm. stroller. I was like, that's part of what you may not know. That's part of what inspired me to do this because I was doing so many interviews and MCs would come by and they would have their kids with them, like you or Rockness or whoever it might be. And I was like, you know what? It would be cool to just talk to them about their kids and being dads, mm-hmm. if they were willing. Because I understand, you know, how you know, private some folks are. They don't want to... I remember reading an interview with LL Cool J in a magazine years ago with an interviewer, you know, asked his kid a question. He was like, don't interview him, you know? So Mm -hmm. I understand how that goes, but I was like, you know what? This is cool. People need to see this. They need to see that this this, this rapidy-ass rapper is, you know, running around the city with his baby in tow, you know? (laughs) Um, yeah, I, I, that, that's one thing I like about social media too. Mm-hmm. You know, because it gives us it gives us an opportunity to be introduced to other layers, other layers of of, of artists. Yes, you know, because none of us none of us are just rapping all all the time. You know what I mean? Like a lot of us, you know, like a lot of us have a lot of different layers that we uh, that we cycle through in life that we don't always apply to our music. You know, what I mean, like I start applying the rest the rest of me to my music later on. Mm-hmm in the process because I just got tired of living a double life. You know what I mean? Like I wanted to, I wanted to be able to live in the center of my truth at all times. So like I, I need to be able to walk up in any room and and be just like this. I don't want to walk up in a room and have to talk white. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to walk up in a room and have to talk like a rapper. I don't want to walk up in a room and have to be funny. You know what I mean? Like, unless I'm, t- unless it's something I'm saying that's funny. You know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't want to force anything. I want to rap about what I want to rap about. I don't want nobody to tell me what kind of songs I should be making. Mm. I don't want anybody to tell me like how many spins I got to have in order to be successful. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just want to, I'm just at that place where I just want to express, you know, as, as natural as possible. Just let the shit come to me. Like, I don't, I hate forcing shit. You know what I'm saying? That's like, you hit on something I never thought of until now. It's like artistic code switching. We we always talk about code switching in terms of like race and ethnicity and having it. But you know, as an artist, you know, you you, you have you, you're on record talking about killing a million people, and then you step out the booth and you got your baby there, and <laughs> you're just a completely different person. And so I feel you wanting to just say, you know what, this is who I am, and all you're gonna get all of this or none of this. You know? Yeah, because it's like it's like you look at Tupac, right? It's not it's not you know like he was in rapper mode when he was you know mashing on niggas. Like he may have just mashed on some niggas last week, you know what I'm saying? But it, it don't mean he don't love his mother, you know what I'm saying? So it's like he did he just did he wasn't afraid to like whip out different layers whenever he felt like it, how he felt like it, and you 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 know like I feel like when you when you're like that and when you're unapologetically just being naturally who you are, like I feel like you. You put people in a place like you put people in a place where you you force them 
You force them, number one, to accept everything that is you. You force them to accept it, whether they want to engage it or not. You force them to pick a side. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't allow people to just be okay with, you know, with you being here. You know what I mean? Like, that's the worst fucking place you could be creatively and just as a man. You know what I mean? Like, you just exist within all the noise. Like, I, that, that song is right. good. It's cool. You know, I'm probably not going to play it in the car, but it's cool. I see, I see why it's getting spins. That's a failure. Right. That's a failure. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like when you straddle that safe line and you tell yourself, I'm trying to make something to be uh, something that, that relates to all, like now you stand, now you now you stepping outside of not just your truth, but just the truth. There's no mm. such thing. Mm. You know, so I right now, right now where we are in the climate with the lockdown and everything, showing you that nothing is relatable to all. Everything looks minimized when it's like mm. purposely commercial, and then it goes straight to that spot. You know what I'm saying? Like People don't like forced records. You know what I'm saying? There's a such thing as fucking machine records, you know, where, where money gets spent for to just to just be on playlists that nobody listens to. But they sound they sound good and poppy and they sound like that they blending in with everything else, but they're not doing shit for that artist. So therefore that's a failure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like and it's just like all of these things that we put into our minds as artists is ultimately what leads to our own fucking self-inflicted demise. You know what I'm saying? So if we just relax and just kind of like just do what comes natural, that's always going to resonate on some level. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's not about going, oh man, I got to be, I got to have, this has to do better than the last because there's so many layers to doing better. When you say doing better, like something can connect better and not have as many fiscal sales, but connects better or puts you and launches you to a whole nother hemisphere because people feeling you in a whole nother kind of way you know what i'm saying because ultimately that's all it's about it's just about growing you know what i mean i like that you organically have incorporated your family into your work into your art specifically the 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 skits you had with your son on book orion yeah, it was it was relative. It, it was relative. It was relative on, on that. What's up, man? You good? Yeah, that's racy. Racy just walked oh, in just oh. now. It's crazy. It's scary. It's just scary. <laughs> Meant to be. <clears throat> yes. Meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was. It was. It was all relative on that. You know, on the Book of Ryan album, man. It was like, um, I, I got to that place where I I realized that every every artist should should have that one self defining album. You know, it's got to it's got to happen. If you want to talk about anything involving legacy, if you want to put your name anywhere in that category around any of the greats, you got to have that one album <clears throat> that people can go to always, no matter when, and and listen to it and and feel like that they know you yeah. after listening to it. Talk to me about um, okay. working with him on those and the conversations that you had before and after, because that the one that stands out to me is the "Who Are You" skit. Man, I had a dream that my father told me, let's play a game. Look me in my eyes. Just make sure you don't blink. You ask me anything you want. But remember, don't blink. I said, shit. I got all the courage in the world to start asking shit that I never had the courage to ask before. Like, what's wrong with me? Like, Okay, I'm born an addict. Do you think that you doing drugs 
add more of an adverse effect on me, which was, you know, another chill inducing, you know, because the questions he was asking, I was always, you know, the things you said, you know, the whole don't blink, the questions that you were putting out there. Um, did I make you proud? Finally, I was always seeking your approval as a child. Like, talk to me about the things explored on that skit. Yeah, I was um, I was a raging alcoholic um, all of all of his mm. child years, and for some for some reason, some strange uh, act of, of 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 the universe fucking shining down on me in a way where or, or made him naive or just made him like clueless or oblivious because he's a boy because it never would have worked with my girls but he he didn't notice like i dodged a bullet like he totally he's totally like not even i don't i mean i remember you drinking a couple times but i don't you know what i mean like he has no memories that sticks out and i'm so thankful to that of that but like that whole time that he was growing up it was um, it was me trying to figure out, you know, just everything, trying to figure out who I am creatively, trying to figure out where I fit in, in the world, trying to figure out where I fit in music and um, just uh, a, a lot of trauma and transgressions that I was dragging around with me that I, did, I wasn't aware that I was dragging around because I, I had never been put in a position to I've never taught to think that way like i never taught to unpack never taught to like confront emotions you know like you know like my instant instant go-to is always to suppress any emotion or any feeling you know because i think i can attribute it to maybe just going to funerals and just hating the way that it felt man having to like cry and it it just felt so bad so it was like i I think I just wanted to get myself to a point where I didn't have to mm. cry. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't have to cry because it don't hurt as bad if I don't mm. have to cry. You know what I'm saying? So it was everything was just to avoid avoid the pain. You know what I'm saying? So it, it just became extremely easy for me to like not deal with things. You know what I'm saying? So uh, along with that comes being unable to identify with something traumatizing you you know what i'm saying like it could be something that you fucking you're dealing with and you just normalize it quick as fuck you know what i'm saying like all of the all of the wars and all of the different situations that i found myself in and all of the near brushes with death and all of the fucking waking up the next day after shit happening and not even remembering what happened and people got to tell me waking up in jail and waking up behind the wheel of a car a smashed vehicle with the cops with, with fucking flashlights in my face you know what i mean like and it was just like a it was like an emotional roller coaster you know what i'm saying and it was like not really me looking at it like it was anything that was like for a reason you know i just felt like you know we just hey we partying you know what i mean so um it wasn't until i like started going to therapy that i was able to like you know start to draw correlation between things and uh start to get to look at the origin of things so you know like before i got to the point of therapy you know Royce was a kid he was growing so he was just like a mama's boy because i wasn't consistently there like that so it was like all of the validation that i needed from him just as my child um i wasn't i wasn't really getting i wasn't really getting i wasn't really um 
I was getting out of it what I what I put into it, but I didn't realize that. You know what I mean? And I was really sensitive about shit. Like he like I would go to his basketball games and like he didn't want me to dress <laughs> a certain way going to his basketball game because like he told his mom, Can can dad not show up as Royce the five nine to the next <laughs> basketball game? Because like Leave the fur coat at home, Dad. Is that what you? <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it's like, a, like it's like he went to school with white kids, so Lord knows what the, what, you know, what, what, what the jokes were. You know what I mean? Like, who knows if it was like, if it was like, yo, your dad is like cool, and and that got weird for him, or was it like, yo, what the <laughs> fuck is your dad wearing? Like, what is he like a fucking? You know what I'm saying? Like, who knows what that was? But whatever it was, it was difficult for mm-hmm. him as a child. You know, like just wanting to fit in and trying to find his place. You know what I'm saying? And it's like I'm looking at him for all of the things that I thought being a rapper with a son would come from it. You know what I mean? Like I always envisioned it being like, oh, my dad is a rapper. You know what I'm saying? Like I always envisioned it. Like I'm proud of my dad. He's a fucking lyricist. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it was none of that. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like it was like, fuck, this is nothing like I thought it was going to be. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, because I, you know, my dad was a provider, but he was an honest working man. So, you know, that put him at home outside of, you know, his his working schedule that put him at home with us. I'm a provider too. And that's one of the, you know, one of the traits I I got honest from my dad. You know, like I've always had a, you know, just had a knack to, to, to be that way. You know what I'm saying? But it's just like the, um, Actually applying yourself as a father, like that was a skill I had to pick up along the way with a with a whole lot of like searching for it. You know what I'm saying? Because it's a long period of time where I was like, man, I'm paying the motherfucking bills. You better be grateful. And why ain't you more thankful? You know what I'm saying? Like, what the fuck is going on? What's happening? Was my kid weird? Like, what the fuck is what's going on? I pay all the bills. I bought you all the shoes. I got you a whole bunch of pants. You know what I'm saying? Why can't you just fucking be happy? You know what I mean? Like that's that's kind of like what we uh what we drug out of our relationships yeah. with our parents. You know what I mean? Dad's a provider, mom's a, you know, stay-at-home mom. And um everything, you know, that they went through just as a couple and young parents, you know, 19 and 20, same thing, young parents, a couple. My dad dad had a um drug habit. He went to the to the Navy, you know, he came back, you know, they from the East side, Detroit was fucking crazy back then. My daddy is fucking crazy. And it was just a lot, you know what I'm saying? So it was like all of that, all of that shit. We were like, had a front row viewing, you know, of them, of them figuring it out. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, along with that, it came trauma. You know what I mean? It's a problematic situation, you know, it's like, so shit happens, you know, and whenever shit happened, you know, I was sitting right there, you know what I'm saying? So, so like, that's like, um, growing up and then, you know, like it did, it did this thing to me. It was like, yo, I, I'm not drinking. I'm not doing that shit. Cause my big brother came and he's coming to the house drunk too much. And I hate the way he fucking act. I'm not doing right. that shit. So, um, I was on my athlete shit, you know what I'm saying? And then 21 years old, I'm in California with Dr. Dre. He's like, Hey Royce, you want to drink? And I ain't really want to drink. I just, I just didn't want to say no because it was Dr. Dre. It wasn't even like, it wasn't even like, um, man, I'm against drinking. It was just like drinking wasn't something I ever even thought of. You know what I'm saying? Thought about. I never thought about it. You know what I mean? So when he asked me, it was just like, 
Marshall had a drink. He had a drink. I was like, all right, fuck it. All right, fuck it. I have one. I'm happy as fuck right now. I have one. This is Dr. Dre. Why not? You know what I mean? And um, it was like, you know, that that was like that first drink made it okay to, you know, to drink whenever. Whenever I just, you know, whenever I decided to, I, I had broken the ice. You know what I'm saying? It was no longer a thing like, I don't drink. You know, that was no longer a thing, you know, and I was, was cool that with your that. first drink drink? You know, like first drink ever? First drink. First First time with I ever Dr. tasted Dr. Dre? Alcohol. Wow, that's a story. <laughs> Do you re- even remember what it was? <laughs> um, oh Bacardi God. straight. I started with straight, wine yeah. coolers. He went straight for the gusto. <laughs> wine coolers. Who's I was in college. I was like, my first drink? Well, yeah, I was like 19. Yeah. You was in college? I didn't drink in high school. I didn't drink at all until I got to college. And even then, that first drink was, yeah, freaking wine cooler. And then my senior year is when I got bad. <laughs> did, you get, did you get drunk? Hell did no. you get drunk off It was wine just something to drink, something to say oh, I okay. did. Because I had made, actually had made a bet with one of my counselors in high school that I wouldn't drink for my whole freshman year. He was like, I don't want you drinking alcohol. That's how you freshmen get fucked up. So I actually made it all the way to the end of my freshman year without drinking anything. And then someone had a wine cooler at a party and I drank it. And I was like, ooh, I had alcohol. And, but that was... Way to go, go Jerry. <laughs> you know, that's... that's that's I learned that that's a part of college. Oh, drinking? Would you of say course. that? Would you say that? And you're not, it's not supposed to be yeah, because I, I, the only people old enough to drink in college are the seniors. So there's a whole three quarters of the population that should not be drinking, but they find a way. You know, you know. Have, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think if I would if I would have went to college, I would have been oh, one hell of an yeah, alky. Yeah, I tell you that. I don't, I don't know. That would have been bad combination. But um, mm-hmm. this year on you gonna learn. You said. Try not to adopt my father's old philosophies. Same time, I'm praying to God that everything works out at a colonoscopy. There's a lot of duality in that line. Um, unpack mm-hmm. that a little bit for me. What's your relationship like now with your dad? <clears throat> Oh, my dad's the same as always. You know, it's always been great. You know, I mean, I actually just got off the phone with him right before we started our um, the initial podcast. It's it's um, it's funny you use that word duality. It's like it's duality to the just that just the dynamic of the relationship, man. Like it's there's so the purpose of the line was to say, you know, like um, I'm able to look at my dad comfortably and look at him and be okay with um. The areas, the areas where he didn't he didn't do as well as other areas that he did well. You know what I mean? Like I'm okay in areas that he just straight up failed me because he didn't. That wouldn't. It wasn't his intention. He he did the best with the information that he had that he was given. You know, like in the resources that he had and he was given. And um, just looking at it in retrospect, it's like God damn man, he could have did a lot of stupid shit. Like he could have did a lot of illegal shit. You know what I mean? But he stayed solid. He stayed legal. He stayed honest. You know what I mean? Because it's like a lot of a lot of guys, you know, their dads, you know, went out there and took that risk, got caught, went to prison mm-hmm. and they lost him. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I can as crazy as my dad is, I can always say he was always there. You know what I mean? And and like the areas that he excelled in, like, you know, teaching us, you know, sports, you know, boxing, basketball, football, he excelled in, you know, like he didn't miss a practice. He didn't miss a game. You know what I mean? Like he didn't, he didn't miss, 
like um, making sure like that we not not just worked out, but knew how to work out. You know what I'm saying? Like he per he perfectly showed us how to be athletes. You know what I'm saying? But when it came to the to the to the um to the to the to the academic part of things, um, even though my dad is real smart, he's actually a little bit more book smart than I am. But when it came to the academic side of things, he was one of those parents that he didn't challenge he didn't challenge the teachers. Mm-hmm. He didn't challenge my teachers. And I didn't know to challenge my teachers. So what would happen is my teachers, when when we would go to parent-teacher conference, they would throw me under the bus. They would throw me under the bus so it wouldn't look like that they <laughs> wouldn't shit at their jobs. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is me looking at this in retrospect. This mm-hmm. is exactly what it was. They would throw me under the bus and they would say, you know, Ryan can do a lot better if he just applies himself more. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, like, fuck, man. Like, I know I don't always come in here with the intention to fuck up. Like, I wanted to do good some of these times because I want to be eligible for basketball. You know what I mean? But it's just daydreaming. Daydreaming was just like a thing. And I couldn't figure out for the life of me, what the fuck am I daydreaming so much for? So it wasn't until way later in life I ended up talking to a fucking psychologist. Just happened. I happened to do been doing a ceasefire initiative with Trick Trick and shit. I was talking to a psychologist. We got to kicking it, man. She was like. Um, she was like, oh, so you, you used to daydream in class? I was like, yeah. She was like, yeah, okay. So she was like, that's common among a lot of like beat makers and artists. And she was like, basically what that is, is, um, whoever's teaching you isn't able to keep your attention. And somebody was supposed to, to, to identify that and put you in some sort of, of, of performing art school where they would put you in like smaller classes and give you the attention that you need. You know what I mean? Like a lot of the producers, tend to like to play video games and you know it's putting you in a position where you can excel a little bit more and then you just locate you know locate the passions within you know the weirdness and start nurturing them early right you know what i'm saying so like i'm like oh that makes perfect sense so she's like it's not that always that you failed the institution sometimes it's the institution failed you and that's public school in a nutshell you know what i'm saying because when we went to parent-teacher conference and they told my dad I could do better if I applied myself, he'd look at me and say, you need to do better and apply yourself. You fucked up. I'm whooping your ass or I'm putting you on punishment. And I take that as an L in my mind. It's something I did wrong. And boom, there we go. That's my high school. That's my whole high school career. So I'm looking at other people like, damn, man, maybe this person's smarter than me. That never was the case. I just never been, I never been put in a position to, to put that kind of perspective on things. You know what I mean? So did that think did I make you more prepared with your kids or like with your son? I remember you wrapped a line about him having ADHD. Was was that something that you were able to identify sooner because of your experience with school? Um, I I, I wasn't able to like put all that put all that into motion so mm-hmm. early. Not with Roycey, not with Roycey. But um, my neck my my second child, my second son, he's okay. He has autism. So, so he's, um, we figured that out probably around mm. four or five, about four, about four, mm. about four. Um, my mom was like, you should get him diagnosed. Cause she, she, she used to run a daycare and she had a lot of, a lot of kids on the spectrum and she just kind of like, no, she knew some of the, some of the, you know, some of the signals, you know what I'm saying? So took him, got him, took him, got him, um, got him, uh, evaluated they diagnosed him with autism. They diagnosed him is on the mm-hmm. spectrum. So um, he started out going to regular, you know, regular kindergarten, regular public school. That was a little bit problematic at first because it was just like, 
he was he was able to do the work and he was able to function within that curriculum. It was more of a social thing. You know, it was more of a social thing. And I didn't like I didn't like the teachers, you know what I'm saying? Because I hate to be that that father, you know what I mean? But it's just like, yo, man, like y'all motherfuckers, y'all always quick to fucking right. label somebody. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think all y'all right. motherfuckers is crazy. You know what I'm saying? And no, he ain't mm-hmm. taking no medicine. And yes, your punk ass need to stop being afraid of him because he's a child. You know what I'm saying? Like they act like you know, like oh my god, he's having a meltdown again. Like it's like, and then it's like, does he do this at home? Fuck no, he don't do it at home. You know what I mean? He come up here and do it with y'all because y'all fucking scary and y'all don't have way care. You know what I'm saying? So I ended up putting him in a um in a school that has like a department that focuses on kids that that are on the spectrum. So everybody in his class is actually on the spectrum. So his best friend mm. is on the spectrum. He comes to the crib and shit. They, they you know, they be in there talking shit. They right. fall out with each other. They get back cool with each other. It's fucking hilarious to watch. You know, and my son went through a lot of different phases. You know what I'm saying? Like he went through a really, really interesting phase when he was young. When he was about six or seven, he went through a phase that lasted about two years where he remembered all birthdays. He memorized all birthdays. If you come to my crib, I'll be like, Royce, I'll be like, 80, this is my friend Jerry. He'll be like, hey, Jerry, mm-hmm. what's your birthday? He'll be like, yo, I'm um, I'm July 5th. All right, cool. Nice to meet you. You see him five, you see him a year later? Jerry, July 5th. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, what's such and such birthday? Oh, that's uh, September such and such. You know what I'm saying? Like, he just, like, had everybody, he had all birthdays just in this fucking mental Rolodex. And one day, I was just like, hey, what's such and such birthday? He looked at me like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> you asking me that? It's been amazing, bro. It's oh, amazing. The power just. Like, he actually, he actually looked at me like, you asking me what people's birthdays <laughs> for? I don't know. Oh, what what advice would you give for for fathers listening to this who have a child? I have a child on the spectrum. Has a child, yes, specifically. Um, it's it's it, it just it just takes yeah. a lot of patience. It takes a lot of patience, but it's gonna it's gonna build a character in you that you mm. that you can apply. You can apply to the world. You can apply in life. You know, like every every human being has to have some level of patience in order to just survive thrive prosper you know what i mean and um it's 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 a good opportunity for you to educate yourself on something you know what i mean like you know as your child grows it's, it becomes more and more intriguing to you you want to learn more and more about it because no two no two children right. are the same you know what i mean it's like they have that's why they call it the spectrum they have their own little autistic dna you know what i mean like no other child is exactly like them, you know what I mean? And a lot of them do different things that a lot of them don't do. They do have some similarities in terms of like, um, in terms of like um, uh, uh, obsessive compulsive uh, yeah. traits and patterns. You know what I mean? Like uh, my son went through a he went through a phase where he needed everything super neat. Now he's mm-hmm. super junky. You know what I mean? Like he's um. When he first started playing video games, he would obsess on one board. He would stay on one board. Um, I remember the first time he played Grand Theft Auto, and he didn't want no weapons. He just wanted to run, run around, run around boards. He didn't get no cars. He just wanted to run. 
He didn't want nobody <laughs> to do nothing to him. And he just ran. And he just ran everywhere. I've seen parts of the city I've <laughs> never seen before. And he had a ball doing that. You know what I'm saying? Like, shit like that is just fun to watch to me. Right. You know what I'm saying? But um, other than that, it's just with him, it's me is realizing, like, when he's dealing with his sisters, that um, really what you're dealing with is somebody that's just a little bit behind in terms of social development. So, like, there's a lot of things that he'll do with his sisters, and there's a lot of ways that he'll engage them that's, like, it would really be immature if he was if he wasn't autistic. It'd be like, why are you acting like a fucking baby, man? You know what I'm saying? Like, get a girl the damn thing back. You know what I mean? Like, it's one of those types of. He's still on that where it's like, yo, no, it's mine. I had it first. No, you know, it's like she'll she'll be like eighty something something, and he still got to get the last word. Nope. Yep. Nope. You're the you're the you're the <laughs> ugly one. Nope. You're ugly. I'm you're ugly. Not me. You're ugly. You're the ugly one. You know what I mean? He'll go. He'll go forever. You know what I mean? Like he's still on that you know what i mean but other than that he's completely normal he's like going through puberty he's fucking trying to sneak and watch porn on his phone <laughs> you know what i mean like he's he's into like he's into like dragon ball z and like anime and and um he's really creative he likes to draw and um shit he just be you know he's just in his own world man that's dope that rem- makes me segue to my next question which is about the girls you had posted this really cool um clip of um frozen of them playing frozen this was back in the height um this is some years back and this is another reason why i said i got to talk to royce when i start this podcast and you were just reflecting or projecting every parent's angst about mm-hmm. frozen at that time like mm-hmm. how many times are they gonna play this song it's like let it go mm-hmm. let it go <laughs> do you remember that post i, I don't remember the, the exact post per se but i, I mm-hmm. shit, hey man listen you just jog you just jog me through a a, 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 a moment in time you know what i'm saying <laughs> but you remember that moment i mean dog frozen frozen wasn't a song man it was a fucking it was a moment it was like a linear fucking like it was like a uh it was like a phase in life that like the world went through <laughs> you know what i mean and it's like i would really love to just like have just like some scientists or some shit just like just really really like really unpack this fucking song and i like to like i like to get all the stems and pro tools and just really just look at it and like try to figure out what is it about this song it's one thing to like it but why does every child have to play it over and over and over and over again it's like an addiction it was like the fucking stepford wise bro <laughs> I was like, yo, this shit is not normal. You know what I mean? Like, they've liked, they've liked plenty of songs, but they, yo, th- that song was like, you can't, like, that song was like a fucking Oreo cookie, bro. It's like, you can't have, you can't, not just once. It's got to be, they play it in, in seven to nine play intervals. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the song for me and my daughter was Beyonce's Single Ladies. It was the only song that could keep her quiet. When I was driving her brother to school, she'd be in the back of her car seat and the only thing that would keep her quiet was single ladies. I had that song on repeat mm-hmm. for God knows how long. And if I turned it off, I would hear it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and as soon as I played it on there, she started. Yeah, single ladies. Single ladies was an equalizer in my car too. 
Oh yeah. Oh hell yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> I think I think it's a it's a mixture of how how well the song is layered and how mm. perfect perfect vocally that it is, and 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 the video, like mm. like it's it's the video, it's the it's the routine. They just nailed it. It's a classic moment, and I I think I that's why I don't think like fanfare is. I don't think it involves as much thinking as people think. I think like. I think people who don't who aren't creative and they they just think like suits and they think like you know um business people and marketers and all of that type of shit mm. they come in and confuse everything mm. you know what i mean but like music is like it's not it's a language that you don't necessarily have to like be able to speak it per se mm. it's like it's it's more like um it's a drug, you know what I mean? Like it's a drug, and and basically your brain is telling you how you want to use this drug to suit you, based off of where you are in life. So some people use use it to um, take them to a place away from some horrible life. Some people right. use it to like bring them to a place to fantasize about some horrible life because they live such a great life. Some people mm-hmm. just use it to work out. Some people use it to go turn up some people like to drive to it some people can't drive without it some people can't clean the house without it you know what i mean like it's a it's a tangible element that once it's used in its proper form and perspective there's really no no scenario where you where you notice that thought is being applied Mm. You just you just take it you take it in and you know you know if you love it you know if you like it you know you like you don't have to think about it you don't have to have a meeting with yourself about it these motherfuckers be in conference rooms with seventeen chairs in them you know what I'm saying like with a whole bunch of people interjecting their opinion on things about nothing that some shit that none of them understand none of them know shit right none of them because it's all feeling at the end of the day. Yeah, man, it's all feeling and everybody don't, everybody can't feel, you know what I mean? Some people just, you know, like some people just are into a whole nother side of, you know, the way that their brain fucking works, you know, to have that ability to be able to feel music on that level, man, it's like, it's a, it's a gift. And that's, that's one of the things that I think um, a lot of white musicians look at black musicians and they go, damn, it's like they're feel they're feeling in a way that's just like, it's, I, I damn near can't even achieve this. I can mimic it. Right. You know what I'm saying? But you can't, like, Stevie Wonder can't be, like, you can't feel like Stevie Wonder. You can fucking listen to it, study it, learn it from an academic standpoint, and then you can you can regurgitate it. But you can't duplicate, you can't duplicate, and you can't recreate the feel. You can't make me feel like Stevie Wonder makes me feel. Nobody can. Hmm. So, well, with music being that feeling, will we see an appearance from one of your daughters in in your songs, the way that your son has made an appearance? Um, Probably not. Probably not. Probably not. But um, it's only because I already got the, you know, I got the the, the self-defining personal album out the way. Um, And, you know, man, like if if I'm if I'm going to stay motivated to actually just keep writing and keep making music. At some point, it's going to have to stop being about me, you know, Mm. like and it's got to be it's got to be something where I feel like uh, I just know I just know as it comes, you know, like I never knew I would be like 
so involved on the charitable side of things and so involved on like the um just the uh, philanthropy and the activism i hate that word but the activism i never thought i never thought that i never it's not even a thought that crossed my mind it's just something that happened to me you know what i mean and i feel like all things all things that you know like that that connect that come across well that people are comfortable with accepting are the things that you're not forcing on them and you're not tricking them into liking or tricking them into thinking that they like it. You, you know what I mean? Like right now, people just don't want to be marketed to. You know, I don't want to be, I don't want to feel like that you're, you know, that you're trying to figure out a way to make me like something. Just like I either like it or I don't. Like, mm. don't, don't, don't get in the way of that. Like, if I feel like you're trying to hustle me, then I don't want it, you know? And so it's like, I think people feel like that in a lot of ways and a lot of different scenarios. The label's job is just to figure out a way to do it in a covert fashion. You know what I mean? Trick them all. You know what I mean? So, so, so a lot of, a lot of artists, a lot of big artists are more magic trick and magic trick and shape shifting than it is talent. You know, it's more move driven and, you know, marketing dollars than it is actual, you know, like just drop dead talent. You know what I'm saying? Okay, I think what made me ask that is the the other part of that ver of that verse from you gonna learn when you said this is it for me. Give my daughters a kiss for me. Y'all call this fame. I call this shit alcoholistic infamy. Targeting my kids and babies to population and gun control. Shit made me want to have make make a hundred more. So it seems like even now, it's a seamless integration for you. So that's what made me ask. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's um. Sometimes, like with on that song, it, it kind of made it kind of made me want to speak about the way that the state of things just make me feel. You know what I mean? Like um, the state of the culture and the state of the world all running, you know, concurrent. You know what I mean? And then it makes me it makes me like, okay, this is my last verse, man. I'm out of here. And and also, this is my last verse, world. I'm out of here. You know what I mean? Like, so kiss my babies for me. You know what I mean? Like, I don't fucking, I don't even think that we should be procreating in such a fucked up, vile, evil place, you know, but then, then again, and, and the flip side of it is, oh, you want to stop me from, 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 from procreating. Okay. Well, you, you're making me now want to, want to create a bunch of babies. You know what I mean? Like too many of my, too many of my homies is like, you know, man, I, I ain't, I ain't having, I ain't having no kids until I'm, you know, financially straight. I you know, I ain't having you know, it's too many of us. It's too many of us like that. It's not enough of us going, man, I have as many as I fucking can. You know what I mean? Uh, many kings and queens that's going to bear my name and carry on the legacy is possible. And if my wife wasn't such a damn lazy downer, I keep having them. <laughs> I'm just kidding. She's not a lazy downer, but she does. She don't want to have no more. And I, I'll keep having them if she was down. <laughs> well, five is a good round number i stopped it too so i can't even <laughs> i don't pay i don't pay it no attention i don't pay, i don't pay the number no attention i just i just keep having them if they if it, you know if that if that could be a thing i would just keep having them i love it i love it i love everything about it i love when her when her when her when her belly is sticking out i love you know being in a hospital when the baby comes out i love fucking bringing them home for the first time i love watching them take their first steps i love teaching them shit i love fucking Figuring shit out. I just love the shit. Like, babies, to me, are the, are they the fucking key to happiness. Mm. Key to happiness. They bring they bring happiness and wealth. You know what I mean? Because they, you're adding something to the universe that's pure, with the purest intent, you know, with nothing. There's nothing about a baby. Nothing's going to come out of the, their thought that's going to make God get up and, and walk out the room. 
You, on the other hand, that's a different story. <laughs> I think that is it's good a, a good a note to end on as any. Royce, yo, thank you so much for talking with Fathers Who Bother. Um, this has been as a better conversation than I even imagined it would be. I knew it was going to be dope because, you know, you, you're one of those MCs I know that has been very vocal and open about their 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 children on record. So I knew that this conversation would be worth it. And you definitely surpassed my expectations. So I thank you again for taking the time to speak and, you know, wishing you all the luck and and hoping that you don't get any more distractions that we you know, that that, yes, <laughs> that the world please. leaves you to be creative. Yes, please pray for me, man. We were just praying for Paris, man. Dad, how long ago was that? I'll look I at it. Damn, we pray for Paris before we can get that prayer out. It's like something else. You know what I mean? I'm fucking I'm I'm posting Breonna Taylor. People are like, what you posting that for? How about this person? How about that person? It's like, oh man, I can't keep up. I can't keep up. It's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's so fucking difficult, you know what I mean? But I, yeah, I definitely appreciate you having me, man. And, and yeah, thank you, man. Anytime, anytime, man. It's always good to speak to you, man. You know, I love running my mouth, especially about shit like this. For sure. We'll, we'll definitely have you back. Maybe when you have a sixth kid, let me stop. <laughs> Don't put it into the universe because then my girl going to get mad at you. <laughs> yeah, be shut my mouth. <laughs> it's all cool with me. It don't make me no difference, bro. It's just a, it's just another, it's just another crown jewel. That's another, another crown jewel to go get googly eyes with. <laughs> all right, brother. Take care, man. Have a good night. <laughs>